0: Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Quite a scene uh, in uh, the Meadowlands in Ancaster uh, this past weekend. Over 500 vehicles were told all gathering uh, in what was. Well, described by some people as an impromptu car rally, uh, street racers, a a number of things that were going on. Police, of course, were all over it uh, initially, and it took quite a long time for things to finally get settled down. Hamilton Police Superintendent Will Mason says that with many people, the goal was to just disperse the crowd. As we've got that volume of people, uh, the goal at that time was uh, to disperse the crowd as quickly as possible. That helps us mitigate both the risk of COVID-19 as well as the, the risk of the street racing. And on and on it goes. Uh, No arrests were made, we're told, but uh, police said they're continuing the investigation, with other police services, by the way, in other parts of southern Ontario, uh, because obviously the people came from all over the place to do this. It uh, caused quite a shockwave, though, through the community, and a number of people uh, have expressed outrage about this, including the uh, MPP for the area. Sandy Shaw, who is the uh, MPP for Hamilton West, Ancaster, Dundas, joins us on the Bill Kelly Show to talk about this. Sandy, good morning. How are you doing these days?
1: I'm good. Good morning, Bill. This
0: was a shock. I mean, this is we've heard of these things, but we know about social distancing and everything. This this will obviously surprise police. I think it surprised the entire community, didn't it?
1: I think so. I mean, when I saw reports of it, I, I couldn't believe my eyes. It was hard for me to even understand what I was seeing, even, you know, the Meadowlands there. I take my kids, my grandkids to movies there, so to see it transformed into something like that was shocking to me. And everyone in, in Ancaster, actually around Hamilton, my, my phone started to blow up right away with people saying, what is this? And, and the, just the, the shock and the dismay was, uh, was, was unbelievable.
0: Now, we've uh, reached out to Admiral Police Services, and uh, they're not going to make any strong comments here, they say, until uh, they get more information about this, and it's an ongoing investigation. But I know you have talked to police. Did they give you any indication at all, Sandy, as to why this happened and why it happened here?
1: Well, in fact, I just did get off the phone with Deputy uh, Chief Bergen, and and, um, uh, he shared with me that this is something that has been happening across the GTA, um, and as you have reported, there is a multi-jurisdictional team to address this. I would have to say in some regard, Hamilton has been lucky that it hasn't come to our community before um, and that they are the Hamilton Police Services are certainly going to be seeking charges against the organizers. Um, I think for those of us that don't understand what this was, myself included, I mean, this isn't a car show. This is, uh, you know, this is cars that meet up and there's drag racing on the street. They block roads. So it was an incredibly dangerous uh, situation, and according uh, to Chief Bergen, there have been injuries in Peel, for example. So um, I have no every confidence that Hamilton Police Services will be, uh, you know, looking to press charges, but also will be working with this cross jurisdictional team to uh, keep our community safe going forward.
0: Well, and I've got every confidence that, as you say, some charges are probably going to be laid eventually because, uh, as I say, they're working in concert with, I know, Peel and Halton Regional Police as well. Uh, where a lot of these people probably uh, came from, and they've been doing these that's things right. before. But we've we've had examples of that past. You know, when we had the Lock Street incident a, co- a few years ago, uh, there were no charges laid that night, but shortly after there were. Uh, because let's face it, there, there are cameras everywhere these days. Uh, license mm-hmm. plates have been taken and things of that nature. So that that's that's going to come. We understand that. But the immediate threat to public safety, I think, is what uh, should be our priority and our main concern right now.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, Lock Street is a perfect example. Ancaster is a fantastic community. It's a safe community. And, you know, Ancaster will come together uh, just like they did in the Lock Street community. Uh, you know, the thing that I think was most disturbing for most people about this is people are doing everything they can with COVID-19 to keep themselves safe, their neighbours safe. I mean, people have pulled together you know we 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 know we hear stories about our healthcare workers PSWs you know people that work in grocery stores they're putting their lives uh, you know on the line to keep us safe and then when you see something like this that just flies in the face of everybody's efforts it just makes people it's just infuriating for for people and so i think that's why the response has been it has been so great to this that it, you know not only was it a you know a, a drag race that risked people's uh, you know safety and accidents on the street and so forth but it was just you know just Thumbing their nose at the efforts that people have been putting in uh, to make sure that we uh, we we don't spread COVID nineteen in our community.
0: How frustrating is that? I mean, you know, you you guys are back to work at Queens Park right now. I know you've looked at some mm-hmm. of the numbers and 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 you know they're going the wrong way, which is why the premier made the announcement on Friday about you know reducing the size of crowds, etc. Uh, which clearly these people didn't pay any attention to, or maybe they did on purpose, just do that to kind of thumb their nose at it. Uh, right. but it's it's not as if we haven't been told what to do here and and you you know anybody who's seen the footage of what happened on saturday in ancaster of course first of all there's too many people there and too find a spot and very few of them if any were wearing masks so i mean i don't know if they have this sense of, of invincibility or if they just don't care uh, about what they're doing right this but you know the concern i think a lot of us are going to have now sandy is uh you know what's going to happen to those people i mean you know the, the the possibility of spreading a virus in, in a situation where you've got that many people together for that amount of time uh, is increased significantly and we don't know what the ramifications are going to be yet
1: No, it's very frustrating, it's very upsetting. you know I have grandkids uh, that are going to kind are in kindergarten and they are worried and they go into large classrooms right now beyond you know 15 15 uh, kids they're in big classrooms they're worried they wear masks it's unbelievable If you watch kids on the playground, you know what they're, what the, uh, you know what, what they have to put up with, the way that they have to interact with their their young friends. You know it's really it's really um, upsetting. And then to see this really, you know I don't know what else to call it, idiotic behavior. I can't even put myself in the mindset of someone that would would put uh, you know our elderly folks at risk, our young kids at risk. It it just is uh it is absolutely mind-boggling. But I, I would say, you know, it's c- quite clear whether it's an officially announced or not that we're moving into what would look like a second wave. And, uh, well, you know, the, the, the um, limits on gathering is important. I agree. You know, I don't feel that we have had a clear second wave plan communicated from the premier. And possibly that's, that's contributed to this kind of behavior. I mean, the, 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 the fact that, you know, we're talking about fines, fines is fine, but that can't be all that a second wave plan Entails, you know, and I have, uh, you know, my daughter-in-law as an example. Spent hours trying to get her kids tested over the weekend. So there's there's a lot to this that needs to be addressed. And this incident has just brought up all these kinds of questions: is why people would behave this way, and what all, what else are we doing to make sure people are safe with what appears to be the beginning of the second wave.
0: Well, let's talk about that and the protocol that was put in place. And, you know, we've we've gone through the, quote, unquote, recovery phase one, phase two, phase three, and, of course, that's been eroded now because of the increased numbers that we've seen. Uh, but is it? Too early to to start having a a second look and an analytical look at what's what's in place right now? I mean, you know, as you mentioned, the kids have only been back in school for a couple of weeks now in most jurisdictions. Uh, But the the concerns that were raised about the the return to school plan uh, still seem to exist. I know that the government and the federal government, for that matter, kicked in a lot more money, and uh, the boards have had to dip into reserves to hire more teachers and things of that nature. But the basics that we just talked about about the, the the flagrant disregard for things like social distancing, that's still a concern. When I talk to teachers and parents, they're still concerned about the, the environment in the classroom itself and whether or not, you know, this is a a a a, a problem waiting to happen.
1: Well, I would start by saying it's never too early or never too late to do the right thing to keep our kids safe. I mean, that that's just a fundamental thing that we can all agree on. I mean, kids safety should be our highest priority in any community. And so my my point of all this is that people aren't uh confident that this government has got the plan right and the, I, my constituency office is flooded with hundreds. I mean, hundreds of parents and grandparents that are just saying this how can this be I mean the, there seems to be just an obvious um, contradiction in the fact that we are only allowed to uh, have uh, congregate 10 people indoors but that you can have kids in classrooms honestly I've heard stories of 31 37 people kids in a classroom I mean that, that I mean people have um, you know that, there's an obvious question there that people then wonder what what. Are there holes in this plan? Is there a plan? I, I don't think that people feel very uh, c- confident and um, assured that this government has a solid uh, second wave plan. And if they do, they're certainly not communicating it well to the people, certainly in my riding, Hamilton, West Ancaster, Dundas. They have lots of questions.
0: Well, there's a bit of a double standard, and I mean, I've asked the education minister about this when he's been on the show. I've asked the premier about this. Uh, you know, if you, if you want to go buy a hamburger, you have to social distance. You have to. There's a protocol that you have to follow inside that restaurant or the fast food place, whatever it's going to be. But not so much in the schools. Uh, and and are we leaving you know people vulnerable, especially students and and teachers for that matter too? I mean, they yeah. they're the, the frontline workers in this particular situation. We've only had one school in Ontario, I think, that had to shut down. Uh, and that was late last week. But I mean, we've seen it happen many, many times south of the border uh, with situations like that. So you know this is this is the the concern that I'm hearing from an awful lot of parents right now is 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 it going to start happening again and again? I don't think anybody wants to go back to the total shutdown that mm-hmm. we had, sandy, but are are we heading down that
1: road? Well, you, you know, we can only hope and pray that we are not. But after everything we have done, you know, people losing their jobs, uh, being in lockdown for the better part of six months, after all the work that we've done, it bothers my mind that the government would allow um, there to be such a such a. I'm going to say a sloppy plan for return to schools because it's different in every jurisdiction. It's not, you know, it's not the same in other parts of Ontario and all we need to do is look at, you mentioned south of the border, but we also have to just look at Quebec whose return to school was about, you know, was earlier than ours and we're start they're starting to see uh, outbreaks in their schools as well. So, you know, the, 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 the waves going every two weeks, you know, that, that's a, the, that would be the cycle of the virus, and schools have just gone back. And so, you know, we, we can only, you know, hope and pray that this does not happen. But I think it's the role of the government to do their absolute utmost to protect our kids. And from, my, from where I'm sitting in the legislature and from what I'm hearing from my constituents, we do not feel that the government has taken... The health and safety of their kids seriously. There really is a sense that they're just rolling the dice and and that this essentially bargain basement plan is good enough for our kids. And so, you know, you can hear in my voice, I'm trying to, you know, be calm and collected early in the morning. But when it comes to kids, why is this government shortchanging them and their safety?
0: Well, as you and I are having this discussion, you know that there are some union leaders uh, from uh, various places, including long-term care facilities, uh, uh, representing the staff of folks that are very concerned about what's going on Uh, because as as much as we want to talk about the health and safety of our kids and that's extremely important of course uh, we saw how devastating the the first wave of covid was in long-term care facilities with the elderly the frail and the elderly and uh, the concern there is that they haven't done enough i know that the premier vowed uh, to do something about long-term care, and there's supposed to be an inquiry about that. It's not so transparent right now. I don't even know what they're talking about or what the recommendations are going to be, but I can understand the trepidation that those people would have right now, too, to say, oh, here we go again, because uh, a lot of the stuff that caused the, the widespread... Uh, uh, of covid of course in some of these facilities uh, for the most part is still there i mean there's still overcrowding that's going on still people working long shifts uh there are some legitimate concerns and and you're, i think your point's well taken we look to the government to try to do something about this well let's worry about the cost of it later on let's just fix it first of all
1: exactly i mean that you know i in my time here at queen's park i just get this feeling that this government doesn't think it's their responsibility to look after us. That's just the sense that I get from their actions. And, you know, you're absolutely right. Like long-term care was just a tragedy. Not There's nothing short of, uh, of that to say the tragedy. I mean, the stories I heard from uh, families that couldn't see their, their, their loved ones in long-term care uh, were just heartbreaking. And the fear that they had that, 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 uh, you know, they were going to die alone in long-term care was unbelievable. I mean, we saw what happened at the Roslyn as well. I mean, these are things that should have never happened in Ontario in the first place. And after they did happen, I can't, I can't, it bothers my mind that there's not, There's a. this government isn't doing everything they can to prevent it in the future. And as you said, Bill, they have done nothing. None of the conditions that led to this in the first place have changed. Not a single thing. I mean, we they've done done—they've—they've they've really done nothing to ensure that there's more staff. They have, you know, much as the premier can talk about uh, fixing ventilation hasn't happened. I mean, the premier got up there and said, oh, I had no idea that there was no air conditioning in long-term care homes, which isn't necessarily true because we brought it up as the opposition a number of times at Queen's Park to say that this needs to happen. Nothing has gone to to address that, and so people that are are, are uh, gathering or collecting collectively, trying to say that we need to look after our you know our seniors are absolutely right. I mean, what they are concerned with is that there's that there should not be profit taking in long term care, especially at a time when we're just trying to make sure that no one we don't have any further deaths for either residents or or healthcare workers in, in these facilities, and so you know the The government has made a lot of, you know, the premier gets up every day and says a lot of things, and I'm trying to be as respectful as possible, but a lot of things that he says are not uh, what's happening in my riding on the ground. You know, we can say one thing, but it's not what we're seeing actually happening in action. And a perfect example of uh, saying one thing and not doing another is the the promise that there would be a public inquiry into long-term care. I mean, the health minister, uh, Fullerton, got up and many, many times said, oh, it's going to be a public inquiry and we're going to call witnesses and people can come and depute to talk about their experiences, families who've lost loved ones. They haven't called a single witness. And now they're saying, oh, no, we didn't. When we said public, what well, we, we didn't really mean public, public. We just meant that we're going to do this. I mean, they self-appointed the commissioners to look at it. They're meeting behind closed doors. I, I don't understand why the government would not want to hear from everyone to hear their experiences, because if you, you know, not, no one government um, has all the right answers. No one, you know, and no one Minister of Health has all the right answers. If You want to really understand what's happening. Um, you need to talk to frontline workers. You need to talk to families to really understand what happened and to hear their recommendations on how to prevent this in the future. I mean, that's what makes laws, I mean, that's what improves our response to something as horrible as COVID-19. So, again, I, I just I, I shake my head when I hear that this government promised to have a public inquiry into long-term care and really is just doing sort of what, what they love to do is go behind closed doors, appoint sort of insiders and produce a report that is essentially, um, you know, essentially uh, uh, just a, what am I going to say, uh, you know, it's just a formality. It's not, it really didn't seem to be a genuine attempt. Well, that, at, and that's, that's causing the concern.
0: Listen, i I got a, I got a yeah. little bit of time left, about a minute or so left here, but I want to ask you about uh, your job, of course, as opposition is to hold the government's feet to the fire. That's the job of any opposition certainly. party. Uh, yeah. This is not business as usual, and it's not business as usual at Queens Park either. I mean, you know, let's face it, because of COVID and social distancing, et cetera, how difficult is it now to, to be able to do that vis-à-vis question period and things like that, given the the, the protocol that you're, you're supposed to be using now?
1: Well, it, it certainly is... Um Strange, I would say that the it's when you walk through the halls of, of uh, Queens Park, which is a phenomenal building. I mean, it's such an impressive building. It really has. It, there's a bit of an eerie feeling. I would just say that on a personal note. But when you're in the legislature, uh, the the idea that it, it just seems to be doubled down that this is a government that doesn't want to hear from other people. You know, they don't want input. And so that, I mean, as an opposition, we, our job is to support. The government, when they do, when they're do, when they're they're on the right track, hundred percent. But I mean, we represent, you know, hundreds of thousands of constituents, and we, and it's our job, um, and my job as an MPP, to make sure that their voices are heard at Queens Park. And so, it would be my wish that the that the the, the premier and all of the Conservative MPPs would, you know, listen more to the opposition. Right? I mean, what's that old expression? You've got you know, one mouth and two ears, right? And so, I mean, I think that we, all of us, you know, are, are you know, should share the wish that everyone is, uh, that we, we protect one another and we move forward from this. And I don't understand why the government would be shutting out representatives that represent, you know, many, many people across Ontario that have concerns, that have good ideas uh, as well, and, you know, to help make uh, things better for everyone.
0: Well, we'll see how it turns out uh, this week and how the government's going to respond to uh, some of the new numbers that we're going to get later on today. Uh, Sandy, thank you so much for the time. Great having you on the program today. Stay well.
1: It's a pleasure. Yeah, thanks, Bill. You too.
0: Sandy Shaw, MPP for Hamilton West, Ancaster, and Dundas. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.